But okay, let's <laughs> third time's a charm, right? I think. Maybe. <laughs> Hope so. Welcome to Beerfield, where sometimes people in Dynasty Leagues are like, hey, play my band for your intro. I am your host at Hop BFF, formerly, now at Beerfield Hop, as always, joined by Dan Thurry from a hotel room. From a hotel room? Yeah, I'm in, uh, I'm in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, down here for a work trip, and uh, just totally enjoying myself here, uh, talking over the intro music. Beerfield Theory. Yeah, it's background ambience for the intros. Ryan Miner, FFP. Ryan. Hello. Hello. It did sound good. I kind of want to listen to it. So do I. Do you want I'm not trying to talk over it. Here. You want to just... We got just, permission. Yeah. You want to just turn this just, up? Just, okay. just just, keep it playing. On Fucking repeat. play it for the crowd. Vibe for a minute. Do it. Guitar solo, then we'll we'll get to a real show. Mild Cartoon Violence is the band. Running Up That Hill uh, is the song. Kate Bush cover. Um, guy in our Dynasty League plays plays bass for them. A uh, couple of guys, former members of the band my, my cousin was in. So, or, sorry. Remaining members of a band that my cousin was in. Not former, and they're absolutely killing it. Mild Cartoon Violence on Spotify. Uh, make sure you check those guys out. Uh, they do have some good original stuff up as well. Uh, you should never throw a bong favorite of mine so that should uh that just remind like that just like takes me back to like 2000 how 2004 five dude i I felt this i felt the same way i'm just i was like like, am i am i at the garage my local 
my local hangout when they played a bunch of local bands. <laughs> that was fun. It was fun. It was fun indeed. Uh, we got a show Very to get good. to. Uh, we got beer to get to at Beerfield on YouTube, presented by the FF Faceoff, by the way. Uh, so we are going to hit up all the disciplinary stuff that dropped and didn't drop this week from the NFL. Um, in a section I'm calling Judge Theory just because it's the closest thing to rhyme that rhymes with Judge Judy. There's just, you know. <laughs> Judge it rolls. Theory. It rolls off the tongue. Well. Uh, Thury really isn't going to judge anything. It's just, no, God, it's no. the closest thing to judge Judy. Um, then we got notes from all over training camp for it for you. At the remaining time, we'll go into a little bit on uh, ranking quarterbacks. More of a philosophy than we're going to read through rankings. But that being said, we all should have a drink on this fine Thursday. Let's let's talk. What's fueling beer fueled? Dan, go ahead. I am. Uh, I think this is the first time these guys have been on here. I would have never had them. Hopper, when you still lived in Missouri, you may have. Maybe you brought them on. I'm not sure. Uh, I I have on Melvin Brewing. I have had them on. Damn it, you yeah, okay. These guys are out of Wyoming. This is their uh this is just their Melvin IPA. Uh one of the sales reps I rolled with on Wednesday recommended these guys. I was actually in a store and I'm like, who the fuck is Melvin Brewing? And he like he felt offended when I asked him that. He was like, What do, what do you mean, bro? I was like, I, Wyoming makes beer, I guess. But no, this is uh again, Melvin Brewing, this is their there's the regular Melvin IPA. It's not a name to it. Ryan, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Stone Hazy IPA tonight. She's basic. I'm just kidding, buddy. That's a stick. I can't. I mean, look at that. Just look at the can art. Gotta love that can art. Trippy. I am drinking Montucky Cold Snack. Um, it is a lager. They're out of Montana. Unofficial beer on Montana. The tag on this is. A large uh, liquor retailer said it drinks smoother than PBR. So, I mean, I've had it on the show when I brought it. It's, I fucking love it. So, <laughs> it's uh, I've not had it yet. So, it's so fun. We'll get into it. Sounds fun. All right, uh, let's go ahead and start off with Judge Three. Do I have a Judge Drop? I thought I had a Judge Drop at one point. I don't remember a Judge Drop, but you may have. I had thought one. I did. Hold on. Or did I have a law and order? Like law and order is like dun dun. Yeah. <laughs> Makes for great radio. Look at me. Well, if we prepped anything other than show notes, I would have had this already. If we prepped, we would be somebody else. All right, cool. <laughs> Deshaun Watson. Six-game suspension by the jointly appointed NFL and NFLPA arbitrator Sue Johnson. I think that was her name. I didn't actually look it up. Uh, With no fine. The NFL is appealing, and a new arbitrator has been appointed. Roger Goodell has stated he is not going to unilaterally rule on this case. A little bit more info here. They are only taking into account five of the 25 cases that they deemed, quote, credible, end quote. Um... 
So I guess let's go ahead and discuss. Ryan, we'll start with you. Dan's been very vocal about this. I've been very vocal about this. Let's start start with you. Where are you at on the on the Watson punishment? Did the NFL do the right thing by appealing it as six games? Fair. What do you want to see here? I think the NFL did the right thing by appealing it, yeah. Because it's like, all right, so what? He had 32 cases against him, and they're only looking at five. Anything more than one is more than enough evidence that you need. What more do you need? This is what I don't get. So the NFL appealing now, they're trying to go after, what, the whole entire season and then some? And then what I've been hearing, too, now is that with the NFL appeal, that now this can go into the season where Deshaun Watson could actually be starting week one, which is total bullshit. See, I'm all about, like, so <laughs> I think Drew brought this up in one of our lead chaps, Hopper, I'm sure you saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, I want Watson to play the whole year. And then I want him to get suspended for the for at least a year. So the bullshit contract situation that the Browns set up for him this year. Oh, totally. It's completely fucking backfires on him. And he loses a bunch of money. Now, I, I again, we've always I've I've been on this train. I've been saying a year. Um, this is a smart thing for me to do. Um, I, I don't get anyone shocked that they were, you know, that they're going to appeal this. Um I find it hilarious that the, that uh, Judge Robinson stuck it to both Watson with her findings and stuck it to the NFL for setting up bad precedents when it comes to shit like this. Damn, like, it was Sue Robinson. I had the wrong white people last name. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Judge Sue Robinson. I, I, um, she just hates the NFL. I think. I think she really just hates how. Basically, she didn't want them to Ray Rice this, and you know what I mean by that is change the precedent based upon the public outcry effectively. Um, she wants him to feel to be a little more consistent with it. But in this case, like, is there really a precedent to be set when it comes to 24 plus cases? No, you have to set the precedent here. She based that on the yeah. fact that six games has been the, you done, you done something really bad suspension. And it, yeah. it has been, unless you're Calvin Ridley, who did something mildly bad. And then you got a full year with, with, you know, and and that's what I'm going to keep going back to, right? He bet on a game he was not playing in, on his team to win. <laughs> he did the most. He did the most. He, like he did the most soft run thing he could do. Like, right. Like it was so minor. Yeah. Like like it was so it, it was so it was minor, and then he gets suspended for a year. And Goodell had no problem ruling unilaterally in that. And that's my other problem here. I got a couple problems here. One. Goodell has never had a problem ruling unilaterally in anything, anything at all, even the Zeke situation, nothing at all. The CBA gives him the power to do that, and he does not have the balls to step up and do that in the case of the Deshaun Watson scenario. Now he's going to let it go to an arbitrator. Now he's going to let somebody else decide what the punishment should be that's an independent third party after hearing all the facts. Now he doesn't want to rule on it himself. He's never had a problem doing that before. My second problem is that you're discrediting 20 cases and just pretending that they did not happen. Just throwing them out the window, saying this didn't happen. You get a little over a game per case that we are considering. The other 20, eh, get rid of them. We're not going to deem those credible. But they settled them, so there wasn't nothing there. And I completely agree. I think that if this does drag out into the season, which it will, let them play the whole year. And hit him in the checkbook next year. Because if you're not going to find him, I want the timing to screw him over. 
I think Actually, they, I was looking, I was looking at his uh, contract. If he does get suspended the entire 2020 season, like you know, that's what the NFL is trying to do. His contract this year would change to from 10 million to 8.9 million, and instead of being 54.9 million next year, it turned into 10 million next year. So they got suspended. so they got it so all just one put, year. So the Browns put in clauses instead of that went in to Sean and to miss time. Right. Oh my God! It's so, so, so it just makes me hate him. Even like him I fucking hate him. the Browns so much. So, right now. so basically, like he, like you know, how next year he'd be fifty-four point nine million for the next four years. Yeah. Yeah. So like how I said in twenty-three, he'd be the ten. And then it's fifty-four point nine for the next three years, and then twenty-seven, twenty-twenty-seven, it's forty-six million dollars. Yeah, he's it's, it's sickening. They have so much. They have so much language in that contract. It's ridiculous. It, it, like it's made even worse the fact that the Browns said that. Watson's remorseful, like right after the suspension was ruled, and then based right when the NFL said that they were going to appeal this, Watson is still sticking with the facts that he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, like exactly. Denying First off, it. they can't even get the same fucking people on the same page. No, and you got Watson's god complex who can't get like the dude's a fucking sociopath. Like, like he needs to get fucking help. He needs to get out of the NFL, seek his help. And then go fuck off somewhere because he doesn't deserve to step on the field ever again. I'm sorry. Playing in the NFL is not a right. It's a fucking privilege. Like, you've lost that when you've done this shit and then showed zero remorse. Like, at all. Like, none. Like, he still firmly believes he did nothing wrong, even when the judge said he did all this fucking terrible shit. Which means nothing has happened for him to sit there and look at his behavior. Just it should have been a. It should have been at least the same suspension Ridley got. Josh Gordon got multiple full years indefinite suspensions for weeks, years, years, years. Goodell didn't have a fucking problem ruling unilaterally then. Oh, just so wrong. It's total bullshit. Total bullshit. And had they not appealed, I was seriously questioning whether I was going to do this goddamn show this season about the NFL because. If that's the precedent they're going to set, that you can go out and sexually assault 25 people and it's a six-game suspension, I don't want to promote the product. That's where I was at initially. And you have so many fans, just so many Browns fans, and it's been universally males when I've seen this. Just praise them. A, the pure ignorance that a lot of these guys spew, you know, thinking that, Watson didn't play last year as if that's supposed to be taken into account. It doesn't. Like, he was hurt at all. Well, sorry. It, it's it a paid hurt, vacation. He, it he was a paid, paid vacation. vacation by Houston, who at least was doing something kind of right by saying, if the NFL is not going to suspend him, we're at least going to take him off the field. I think, like, I think you, I, I, I think Houston, tr- like, didn't think that they would be made to look better during that spot. Like I thought they were trying and to do something wrong to them and then all of a sudden it actually works in their favor. Yeah, yeah. Somehow they do. <laughs> it was ridiculous. All right. Steelers signed Deontay Johnson to a two-year 36.71 million contract extension through 2024. You're probably asking yourself why is this in the Judge Judy section? Here's why. Second wide receiver now that we have seen sign because uh, I think Debo did this and DK. Did DK sign too, didn't he? Or did I miss? Yeah. 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 He signed last year. Yeah, last week. Three, yeah, three years. Yep. Um, so we've seen three wide receivers now take short term high money contracts in the two to three year range that are coming off the rookie deals. 
high Um, What do you make of that? Does Deontay Johnson's contract make sense? And what do you make of these guys signing shorter deals instead of the five, six, seven-year deals that, that we've seen some of the top names sign? I mean, because the per-year average is still about the same, but they're not locking these guys up long-term. Well, both both uh, Debo and, and DK are both three-year extensions, which will start at the end of this year. Sure. So let's, so let's say four-year contracts. Four year yeah. Um, Deontay's doesn't shock me too much because Pittsburgh notoriously doesn't really pay their receivers. It's, that's why they keep drafting them and just keep cycling them out. Um, though it's shocking to see a two-year now on a wide receiver that's still in their prime that's been as productive as Deontay. Um. I think maybe they're trying to align the their window, at least what they think their window is, or they're going to let Deontay walk, um, and and you'll see them draft another receiver this year in the draft in twenty twenty three, which is supposed to be another deep class. Maybe they're higher on on Clay, and this will allow uh, Debo's contract or not Debo Deontay's contract to kind of, I guess, fall off when they have to pay Claypool. Otherwise, I'm not. I'm with you. I'm not. I mean, I, hey, I had no clue that Deontay Johnson got resigned. That, that I'm actually shocked to hear that. It, it I happened. See any news on it? it? Happened earlier today. Okay. Yeah, it was like this afternoon, like around noon. I saw. It I saw out. no. I saw no notifications on it, which is even more shocking. You know, I figured Deontay's, you know, high profile uh, fantasy name. Notifications always coming through too, though. There, I think they're going through issues too. But it, it's you would expect to see a three, but I guess it's. Maybe because Deontay wasn't getting the length and money he wanted, he wanted to at least get paid early. That way he can set himself up potentially for a nice contract when he comes out of this in, uh, well, in two years. Well, and the Steelers are in kind of this weird position, too, where it's like they're trying to bridge to the next generation. So maybe, you know, maybe this is just an acknowledgement that we're going to see where we're at in two years, and if we need to tear this thing down and completely blow it up and go rebuild, then that's what we're going to do. And that gives them some of the cap flexibility to do that. Or if they see themselves like next year, kind of being like out of it in the playoffs, they can kind of trade it to a playoff now team and say like, all right, you know, you deal with their contract. If they're going to, if you're going to sign them next year. Yeah. I mean, they're in a rough. And like, if you just look at the AFC North, like I'm going to try to separate Watson as a horrible human being to Watson as an actual football player. The AFC North is a very, very strong division. It's right up there with the AFC West in terms of what you have for the future. I don't know if Pittsburgh actually believes that that Pickett can actually, you know, compete with what they've seen so far. Um, and maybe they're trying to set themselves up as if Pickett's not the answer, we'll have our eye on these top quarterbacks in the next couple of years. And then those contracts would kind of fall off and they can kind of readjust to what they want to do. Yeah, I could certainly see that being the case. I think a lot of cap space coming up in the next couple of years, too, to see where that's at. Yep. Um, And maybe it's something that, you know, where Deontay also felt, I mean, you don't want the other side is either. Maybe Deontay felt like, all right, if I continue this trajectory that I'm on, then, you know. Where's it might be a win now? for him. I think, you know, like you see it in basketball, players like the top echelon players will sign these these uh one and one deals, you know, one year with the player option. 
um, basically continuing to bet on themselves to continue to get this these mass contracts. And I wonder if we're going to start seeing that with receivers or just, you know, these top players on these teams trying to maximize the amount of money they can earn during, you know, during their high windows. Well, I also think too, like you almost have to look at like the Zeke Elliott type of contract where like he didn't want to come back so he was signed, but exactly. But that's so bad because he signed what four years, yeah. you know, the last two years that would have been better because then, you know, they wouldn't have to worry about it this year. He would have yeah. been already gone or signed somewhere else. Yeah. So I can see where where they start doing these short contracts, kind of see like a it's not like a prove it deal, but then you know, show us that you're worth the next one now. Okay. <laughs> Dude, I did not know this. De- Deion be 29 years old when he comes off his contract. I didn't really I I completely forgot. I forgot he was that old. old I mean Debo is going to be 29 too. Uh Deontay's 26 right now. Mm-hmm. But he'll be 29 entering the 2025 season at some point it'll be 29 yeah but the way the nfl works too though right you can lock them up long term if they're gonna be good into their 30s like which you know debo maybe could be um but deontay is also a route runner that separates right we've seen those guys play into their early 30s but i mean you can load those contracts up on the front with guaranteed money and make them very cuttable and like as they get into those later years too we've seen that happen for years now I'm actually shocked that Debo didn't try to hold out. I mean, he, like he's not going to hold out for more, but potentially set himself up to where he can, you know, just like Juju set himself up for, uh, you know, for next year. Yeah. I mean, yes, he'll come back onto a 29, you know, he'll be 29 when his contract, you know, ends. And then you'll get one more Tron chance to get a multi-year payday, two to three year payday, either from Pittsburgh or from a different team. Yeah. It's very interesting the way the wide receiver deals are shaken out this year. You kind of got to tailor it, right? Yeah, long term, super high money deals that blew the roof off early, and now these extension nerds are coming in at high money but low year. So, pretty interesting. The NFL. Uh, well, sorry, we're not that one yet. Marquise Brown. Uh, arrested for criminal speeding could be classified as uh, eighty-five or over. Uh, or 20 miles an hour over the speed limit of 50, or over the speed limit, or I think it was 55 when approaching a school zone. Uh, Brown, 35. 35. Yeah. Okay. Brown uh, was going 125 miles an hour, so I think we know which one of those he broke <laughs> um, when he was arrested. Uh, you see anything coming out of this? I really don't. Not really. He was at practice today, so I see well, nothing going out of bailed it. Bailed out, but yeah, I don't think the NFL is going to punish a speeding ticket. No, our main the main guy I follow on on Twitter for this. You, I'm sure Hopper, you know. Yeah. Um, he has got no concern. Like as as long as something, you know, out of left field comes out, this is actually he says it seems kind of common. You know, yeah. young guy, new car, big bunny. Like, yeah. Okay, made a mistake. He'll he pay his fine. He like he like it sounds like it could be, it could be argued down to 85, and then he just gets a slap on the wrist. Maybe goes to training. You know. Goes back to or whatever driving school and goes and visits it. Henry Ruggs in prison and figures out how bad yeah, he got. Fuck that. See, yeah, that's the difference someone. right there. You didn't fucking kill somebody. So, well, and Ruggs is drinking. Yeah, true. You're right. He was drinking. Um, plus, plus Marquise like Brown gets Brown three points on his license now, too. <laughs> do they do points in Arizona? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know. We don't do points. You guys don't do points? Uh uh-uh. uh. Michigan does points. Illinois doesn't do points. 
now you guys know. <laughs> Tune into Beerfield for all your DMV news, I guess. <laughs> I mean, this is not a this is not a show just about fantasy football, which we talked about over and over again. True. We we'll talk about whatever the fuck we want to, which includes DMV talk. Yeah, yeah that's the BS side, right? Yes. <laughs> sure. Exactly. The NFL suspended Dolphins owner Stephen Ross until October seventeenth. Uh, they stripped the team of their 2023 first round and 2024 third round picks. Uh, those were important subtext here, though. Those were tampering violations, so they were found guilty of tampering with Tom Brady and Sean Payton, which is why they lost the two draft picks and the fines. Um, as for tanking, that was brushed off as a, oh, I, I said it, but I wasn't being serious. I wasn't really going to pay $100,000 for them to lose games, even though... It was founded that uh, he did say or that there was talk that they should prioritize their draft pick over winning. I guess that wasn't that enough. Like? I guess that wasn't, wasn't enough. enough. Uh, just, <laughs> like, well, you just say I you're joking why, and you're fine. It's, it's like, come on. <laughs> it's just like, this is like a fucking hidden mic in a room full of guys, <laughs> right? Like you're like, you're hearing a lot of shit. Most of it's true, but they're gonna laugh it off like it's nothing, so they feel better when they go to bed at night. Right. Like this, which makes the penalty feel a lot. I guess it feels fine. Like when the like when this was announced, I didn't realize I didn't take the tanking into an account. So it felt kind of light with all the shit that's been happening. So well, it, I mean, yeah, and it's not the the criminal or it's not the uh, civil suit either. Yeah. So this is yeah. just the tampering. It was well. Hold on, Dan. It was the investigation into tanking. They just did not punish them any for tanking. True. True. So this is actually the tampering and the tanking. It does not take the the uh, civil suit from Flores into account. Okay. I mean, it's still it, like Ross being what he's fined one and a half million. A guy that's probably worth almost ten figures in money. Like it's like you and it's I. It's like pulling a twenty out of his wallet. Was, yeah, well, yeah, I was gonna say you and I being fined a hundred bucks, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's that. And the fact that he's suspended till early October. Like he misses well, he's, he's the owner. What the hell is he gonna games. miss? Yeah. The owner shouldn't be. I don't think he's gonna miss anything. With no, the NFL like, operations like, either. He's gonna be like up in his fucking suite the whole time. And that's it. I think he's supposed to be away from the team for that long. I think that's how it's supposed to be. Like, yeah, like he can't be interacting. Like he, he can't, can't be interacting with him, or he, interact he, him. He can be in a suite. We just sit at home and watch the games. Okay. Yeah, like this is uh I'm. I think he's okay like, with this. Like the suspension. Outside of the losing the draft picks, which is obviously the worst. Like a suspension does anything for an owner. Unless you're <laughs> Jerry Jones and you're running the team, it doesn't mean you know, a damn thing. Yeah. The loss of draft picks, though. I mean, that's a big one, especially the first for a team that. I mean, yeah. good thing they just loaded up, right? I guess two is locked in as a starter for a little bit longer. Yeah, it's not Tom Brady <laughs> yeah. anymore. Nope. I mean that that just makes you like kind of like blows my mind too to think like you know you tank for Tua, but then like at the same time you're trying to get Tom Brady down there because they realize I mean, that Tua just different probably isn't going to hit his ceiling. Different regime. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that too. Yeah, that too. Although a lot being made out of Tua's accuracy, which true, right? So. I think, I think two is two in for a be better season fine. than a lot of people think. I think oh, yeah. he'll be. I think he'll be just fine. Is he going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the AFC? Probably not. But is he going to be good enough to lead this team to you know do some competitive seasons? 
Yeah. Is, there good, is he good enough that you're happy to have him as your QB2 in Scott Fishbowl? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely. He's, he's, got, he's got two jobs, either Tyree Kill or Jalen Waddle. Just yep. get one of them the ball and let them rack up the or yards for you. Mike Gesicki. about Chase Edmonds. Or Cedric Wilson or Chase Edmonds or... That or team's Preston got a lot Williams. of talent. Mike Gesicki. Preston team's Williams is pissed of... off. I know you. Team's, <laughs> got a, <laughs> team's got a ton of talent, though. Raheem Mostert. They got a... Who's, who, who gets is finally healthy? Like, who feels finally healthy in, like, two years? Mostert? Yeah, Mostert. Yeah, that can all change in the blink of an eye. Well, yeah. <laughs> He's also... <laughs> He's a running back. It could literally change for any of them. He's also 30 years old, too. But I mean, he doesn't have that much wear and tear. Is he 30? Numbers, so. Oh, yeah, my he's God. 30. He is old. That's right. He was old. But he's still explosive. Uh, Alan Kamara's court hearing for felony battery postponed another 60 days. Kamara, at this point, by the way, this isn't notable, too, right? He is now likely to not face suspension this season. With that being postponed 60 days or into the middle of the year, and that is just the first hearing on the case, likely nothing to be settled. It, NFL traditionally does not hand down discipline until the criminal cases or civil cases are, are figured out, um, which is standard across a lot of leagues. So Camaro likely not in danger of missing time now. So, you know, where does that stick him in your running back rankings now that you're pretty sure he's going to play? Oh my god, he's a freaking steal right now. If you can draft him, then he's easily a third round. He's round three right, right now. now. Yeah, that's gonna yeah, come he's up. In move, he's moving up now within, within the. I can so see him, get him. I can totally see him ending in the back end of round one. Absolutely. Yeah, like it feels like Stargate again from way back, like you know, ten years ago with the Vikings and you know that thing where we, we won't see any suspension. It's hopper mentioned until next year, most likely. Yep. So. You should feel confident in, in Kamara, which means it's Ryan just said value. The other thing you feel confident in is uh, take advantage of this in your leagues. If there are people and there will be people that don't realize that Kamara is not pro- not going to face a suspension this season, you you can get a, a one year cheap rental. Yeah, on on on, on a, a a perennial top five, a top seven running back. Well, yeah. and you want. Sitting in full redraft mode, right? So, and you, you can even trade him, and yeah, that like you can even trade him if your team is tanking and just try good. to flip him when he goes off. Well, you should be doing <laughs> like, that anyway, but yeah, absolutely. In full redraft mode, though, man, it's like you know, if you have that that one guy that just, that just shows up to your draft and just goes off whatever ADP is there, that's when you're you're going to get a nice steal on him. I guess now's a good time to say that, especially as we get into this training camp stuff, I want casual redraft hats on. Not dynasty hats. Um, Fine. As we talk about this stuff, we can talk dynasty implications, but casual redraft hats is that's the time of year we're in where the casual listeners and the guys doing their work leagues and stuff, but that want to study a little harder than the next guy are starting to listen here in the next couple of weeks. Peak fan, peak redraft time. So that's right. Yeah, let's they're, go. They're back. Um. So yeah, with Alvin Kamara, I think that does shove him up into that. Probably second, third tier running backs. Probably second tier running backs for me. Until we like, until we get one thousand percent confirmation, I don't think he'll go to the top into the first half. But I could tell, like as, as I mentioned, I think he's. I think he'll finish as a back in RB one. Middle of the first is probably yeah, I think, I, where he's going to peak out at. Yeah, probably he, the highest you'll see him go. He did have a down season, so. Um, you know, he's got that right against him. We've seen, 
you know, like Zeke, who's had a down season to fall off a little bit. We've also seen McCaffrey, who's been hurt the last two seasons, not fall off at all. So I think Kamara's in that middle of the first round range, probably again. Yeah, on the high on the high side. Agree. Okay, okay good. All right, moving on. Um, training camp notes, and this is just kind of reverse chronological order. I tried to group things together as I could, but couldn't get everything. Um, KJ Osborne making a strong case to be the Vikings' number three wide receiver. Vikings figure to be a much more pass-heavy team. River Smith dealing with a thumb injury right now. Expected to be ready by week one. We saw Adam Thielen miss time last year. A lot of people were predicting his kind of him to start tailing off, especially into his early 30s. Um, I put this here just basically because I wanted to talk KJ Osborne again. Um, KJ Osborne, seven touchdowns, 655 yards, 50 receptions, and limited duty last year on a run-heavy offense. So... You give the guy a little bit more work as a wide receiver three, a little bit more explosiveness. I think it's a very nice piece to have around on your bench as your fourth or fifth wide receiver if you need to use him in a pinch. He's got some upside to him. Vikings, again, projected to pass more. They have a decent quarterback. And those seven touchdowns show that he definitely has some some TD upside, some red zone value for a, a wide receiver three. Yeah, you, like you should fully expect the Vikings to run e- even more three receiver sets. They didn't bring back Conklin. Irv Smith is he's you know he's having thumb surgery. He may not be ready for BC Johnson. Already confirmed confirmed that's exactly what they're doing. There's more three wide receiver sets too, which is all which is all what we want, right? We're going to see Jefferson operate in you know in this cup role. Thielen will operate as a hybrid of what Woods and OBJ wise, and then you should see Osborne playing the Van Jefferson role. Um, who's better than Van Jefferson? Let's all be honest here, and it's it's like he should be he is a perfect candidate for someone you should target at the back end of your redraft leagues he's basically high powered offense bad defense will throw the football a lot and he does not have an adp right now for yeah, even better yeah which is so. fucking shocking like you know in best ball leagues he's already been going you know he's already been a high target guy for a lot of people but now that we're entering in our full-on redraft modes here you know, for the people out there looking for your end of batch stashes at wide receiver, Osborne should be one of the top targets you're looking for. Again, like you want to, you want to target players on prolific offenses who score a lot of points, who has a a great offense and a suboptimal defense. Um, unfortunately, the Vikings don't have the like the most. They're not playing the best offenses in the league. But because their defense is so bad, you should see them entering into some shootouts, especially expect especially unexpected shootouts. You can get some of those boom weeks from them. Indeed. Anything else on KJ Osborne? No, must draft. I think he is too, especially late going to be a good upside piece to have around AJ Brown focal point of the Eagles offense in camp and practices so um what we haven't talked about this Eagles situation a whole lot really since draft night about AJ Brown coming in um and what that that really means for you know somebody like Devonta Smith or even a Dallas Goddard on a team that you know uses a running back by committee has a rushing quarterback is probably isn't going to throw a whole lot especially with a def- decent defense just break down that Eagles backfield for a bit. 
for that Eagles wide receiver core. AJ Brown, by the way, wide receiver 11 off the board going at the 304, right ahead of Higgins, McLaurin, Pittman, and Metcalf, right behind uh, Mike Evans and Keenan Allen. And then Devonta Smith. Gotta find him. Hold on. What's the name? Like Smith is an eighth round pick. He's right uh, seven oh nine and a half PPR. Uh, wide receiver thirty three. I like what this, how this offense is looking in general. I mean, before like you had Devonta Smith as Jalen Hurts' number one wide receiver. Now you put him as the number two, and you have AJ Brown as a number one. It can actually completes that wide receiver core better. It makes Hurts, I feel like, he'll be going to be a better quarterback this year, too. I think he'll be a better quarterback, but do you think that leads to enough pass attempts from this offense to to really support, call it a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two? I think so, because, I mean, look at how it was last year. And like, a tight, he, and he had a no tight end one. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like Goder a lot. He has the, the athletic ability, but I just don't see him being like the – he doesn't have the upside to me as like a top five tight end. Just because of Devonta Smith being there and AJ Brown, usually being the third in tar- like number three in targets, kind of just puts you as like a middling tier type of tight end. So 432 pass attempts in 15 games for for Jalen Hurts. That would put him probably about 460, 470 had he played the entire season. Um, 61.3 completion percent, three thousand yards. Uh, 11.9 yards per completion, which is just, it's a touch low. So, I mean, let's project, say that he gets up around 510. That's an addition of, say, 80 to 90 passes with the pieces that they've added. Is fair for Hertz, or am I going too high on that? No, I think that might be too low. I actually think they're going to be closer to 550. You're going to have your two Hertz as a starter. You... You you traded first round draft capital. You made it a point to get him an alpha outside receiver. Um, look, I'm going to make comparisons to what Buffalo did with Josh Allen. This is a team going all in with their quarterback. You don't trade for AJ Brown. You don't continue to build around this receiving court to have him just be to have this be a run first team. Um, is he going to take some pass attempts away from the offense because he's a rusher? Yes, but. You have an improved Dallas team. The Giants should be more competent this year. And who gives a fuck about Washington? So hopefully from a schedule standpoint, the Eagles are just going to throw the ball more in general. So um, I think 550 seems fair. I, I, I do think they want to test the waters with Hurst before they go all in with the contract extension with them. So if I were still doing projections, right? Yeah. Um, If you took Hurts... His last four starts of the season, 31, 26, 29, 26 on the pass attempt front, extrapolated that out over 17 games, that's 475, and then put a 10% increase on that, that'd be 523 pass attempts. Um, so, and that, that is probably about where I would typically project that, and then if you say that Adrian Brown, 20. Three percent fair for him. Uh twenty-five. I think he's good enough. I think he's one of the upper echelon. I I would put him. I put him at twenty-five. Devonta around twenty twenty-one. It's one hundred and thirty-one targets for AJ Brown, and for Devonta at twenty twenty-one. Um, 
Round 110. Round 110. So, yeah. I mean, that at 110 with Devonta Smith's dot with, uh, you know, catch percentage being what it is, I mean, he's kind of a lower end, too, on that side of it. Cool. So, and that's not taking Goddard into account, either. You figure Goddard gets yeah. 20%, and then what everybody else gets the other 40 or the other 40 percent of the scraps yeah i guess yeah i i got it and then at 18 to 21 what did he finish last year at uh goddard yeah target per- percentage wise or just counting wise i target share yeah, i think it's like percent. he was at 26 point i'm sorry that's rate not share 18.6 oh wow, so close yeah so, so close so he's been in that range. He's he's steadily increased. I think eighteen percent, eighteen point six. So between eighteen and twenty. I think eighteen is the low end, probably floor. Twenty as a ceiling and with this. Devonta Smith was twenty two point one percent. Is their yeah, clear wide receiver one? And I think he'll lose. I think at you can range him between, you know, one percent, two percent loss to a one to two percent gain. Probably should be about fair for him. I mean, I, that's a pretty wide range too. It's also projecting a pretty large jump in, in Jalen Hurts pass volume as well. So well I I like I would expect the efficiency from Smith to rise. He's not going to see all the top end corners. They should all be favoring Brown plus depends where they want to light up and you know in comparison to Goddard who's going to be probably opposite of Brown and most of the routes run on Smith's side. So Smith could see even more one-on-one coverage, and he's already been an effective downfield receiver. We've seen those those numbers from last year. So, so Smith, I like Smith compared, you know, nobody compares ADP to Browns. I like Smith ADP compared to Browns. I also like Smith if I can get him maybe around two rounds later, round and a half. So you want him in round eight. So you want him between eight and nine, right? Yeah. I think they, you know, Robert Woods with the positive news that's come out on him around the knee, Elijah Moore with his ascending value. Everywhere. Patterson's an anomaly. Uh, Juju St. Brown, oh. Bateman, I think, have more, extensively more upside. So I'd like him around that Ayuk Lockett gauge type range, maybe the top of that tier, tail end of the tier before. Yeah, I'm shocked to see that. Uh, like, I fully expect within the next week or two, like even guys like Allen Robinson in the round in sixth round, he's gonna bump down. Or, or he's going up. He should Jerry Judy with the injury of Tim Patrick. Should go up. I mean, he's definitely go up. He's going up. Uh let's see. Uh, uh, Cortland Sun po- you know, in the seventh round should go up. Yeah, positive news on Robert Woods should drive him up a little bit. With um, all the camp pipe to Brandon Ayuk, who's caught multiple deep ball touchdowns, his hype's gonna go up. He'll probably bump up to Eighth, seventh yeah. round. So we'll keep an eye on that as it, as it settles. I guess what I'm saying is that I'm pretty tepid on the Philly wide receivers just because, you know, one, the defense is decent. Two, you got a quarterback that's not, not been a throw first quarterback in the NFL. We know he can do it because he did it in college, but hasn't really been a throw first quarterback. You're rolling A.J. Brown into this, and, you know, it's a guy that didn't even touch 450 attempts, even if you 
put the extra two games in, barely touched 450 attempts last season. Makes it hard to support multiple wide receivers. So a little oh, bit yeah, for more sure. bullish on Smith and really even AJ Brown up in the in you know the third round at the wide receiver eleven. I'm a little more okay with that. Um, but I think you're drafting him around his ceiling, probably. And while you guys are talking about that, too, I was kind of crunching the numbers of Jalen Hurts because through his first seven games, compared to his last 10 games, it was a whole different offense being ran. He was actually more very pass-happy in the first seven games. Yeah. Where, like, I, I extrapolated the math and did it over 17 games with no injury, and it came out to 587 pass attempts, if you were to extrapolate that kind of game i mean yeah that's a lot so i can see where dan's coming in at 550 it's so also like anywhere games, look at his opponents play it's so also game script related as well though because if you look at the games in the first half of his season you had let's see they lost five games the majority of them by multiple touchdowns in the first half of the season um he threw in those games that they lost by that much 34 26 um 48 39 and 23 times in the back half of the season uh the four games specifically i referenced they were three and one um winning by you know not multiple touchdowns but playing pretty much neutral game scripts they were three and one during that time frame only losses to the uh, 13 to 7 loss to the giants so that's the other thing too i'm not trying to to poo-poo all over your stats, but playing the game script as well into that, you know, why scheduling matters, why game script matters, and that week-to-week type of thing matters, and there's definitely some week-to-week upside here. Um, I expect Philly's going to be kind of that middle-of-the-road type team again, so just wanted to give that additional context around it, though. Uh, you know, that 587 versus uh, that, you know, 525 so that, i mean to me what that says is dan's probably right it may land more around 550 560 so just been the safe idea you know to put a bow on it don't don't reach don't reach on the playmakers in this offense you want to try to get them There's either you- around their value now or or, or maybe lower hurts is still going to be a beast i think a lot I of discussion hurts. about that hurts, tells me that there's yeah. floor for both of them Yes, there should be. Yes, absolutely. And and Smith is the value in terms of where Brown's being drafted because I don't think they're going to finish too far off. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, keep it on the wide receiver front here, I guess. Uh, no, never mind. We'll keep it on the offensive front. The number of uh, no chance plays at Patriots training camp is, quote, notable. What they mean by no chance plays is plays that have no chance of succeeding with Matt Patricia calling them. That's what we, we, we saw that in Detroit. So that's it was, it was quite not what you want to hear. So just they're going to be even more vanilla than what they were. Um, or they're going to try to be less vanilla, which is going to make them even worse. So just, just you want to just have their running backs. And that's, that's probably Mac it. Jones is a floor quarterback. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Good and super flexible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sonny's not playing Buffalo in a winter storm. I think oh he'll be, God. uh, Yep, and three pass attempts to win the game. Speaking of the Patriots running backs, as we check in on them, uh, Peter King believes Ramondre Stevenson is going to get the bulk of the carries for the Patriots this off se- or this season, um, overtaking Damian Harris there. And quite honestly, the way that that Ramondre Stevenson was used last year, and you know, some of what's come out about him early this year, 
I think that that's probably the case, that he probably is on the on the better end of that split. So right now, Stevenson's 807. I look at full point because that's what most people draft in to give myself a good idea. So Stevenson is 807. Where's Harris? Um, probably higher. I can't find. I was not able to find Harris. I'm, I mean, I just pulled it up, so I'm still looking, but. Control. Um, I mean, I feel like with the way the news is going, they're going to be like F. one pick, you know, around each other. Five I don't four see. for Damian Harris. Five oh four. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So Stephen should should eventually pass them. They're both going a little too rich for me. Like this is like, like I don't think you're going to see bulk of the carries for Stevenson, but I think you will end up. He's eighth leading the snap share. Yeah, he's like the last guy before you get to Madison, James Cook, Michael Carter. I mean. It, I'm okay with that. I think that even taking him up around Edmonds and Robinson in the seventh round or Singletary in the seventh round, I'm, you know, Pollard still going 609, Hunt 607. I really think you could probably make the case for him being up probably in the sixth round with Pollard and Hunt based on where they're going. Definitely, just, definitely the seventh round with Singletary, Robinson, and Edmonds, though. Like again for me is this where's the upside in this? Like he's not a, like he's not the confirmed pass catcher in this offense. This is so, not gonna be a, a top five offense in here. It's it's the argument we made last hold week. On. I actually we talked at, about Seattle. I actually looked at this. Harris had an insane touchdown rate. I think it was in the six high six seven percent range. It wasn't just the touchdown rate. Um, well, I mean, for Harris it was oh, like, for Harris, it was yes. Insane. Yeah, it was Harris. I'm saying in general for what for, we should see from this running back off. For Harris had what fifteen touchdowns? Yeah, his his rate was insane. Freaking nuts. Stevenson was third in yards after contact per attempt, behind only John, Nick Chubb and uh, Jonathan Taylor. Second in attempts for broken tackle, behind just Javonta Williams. Um, so you know, I saw some Garrett Blunt to his game. He could definitely see some goal line work and take some of that touchdown upside away from Harris. Um, but you know, looking at some of that contact rate, these a grinder that I do think sees probably the bulk of the carries. He was trending that way towards the end of last year, upper Harris. I think that, you know, he shows that he's got some broken tackle ability, which makes him viable at the goal line. And I think that there is a lot of upside to Ramondre Stevenson for me. And I think the eighth round is probably a steal. I'd probably take him round or two earlier. I mean, I, I expect his ADP to, I expect him and Harris to even out. And at some point, for Stevenson to surpass him with with only hearing some talk and very and and only half weeks worth of training camp so far. Um if the buzz continues to be in Stevenson's side, this is I get I in Hopper you know this I don't like attacking this Patriot backfield unless we can get a discount on these guys. And sure. single round it's just again like we talked about last week with Seattle, I I'm probably gonna go just a different position. I would rather not try to go after this backfield if there is well a median value to this. I would rather wait until one of them falls to the 10th round, which probably will be Damien Harris. It will be a value by that point. To me, that's not where his upside is either, though. When I say that I'm comfortable taking Rwandre Stevenson in the 7th round, that's not, that's not upside. That's literally where I'm comfortable taking him because I still think he can outperform that. As far as upside, his upside, you know, I think could land him in probably around some of those fourth round backs like uh, Jacobs, Mitchell, Etienne, 
you know, Gibson, if he really does come out and get 60, 65% of the work. It's just easier backfield to avoid. I'm just avoiding it in general now. I hope most people are. Yeah. I mean, and, and most people do just Bill Belichick's never been shy with how he wants to use his running back. So if Stevenson ends up getting the majority of the targets with James White, probably started in the, in the league on your starting the year in the pub list, you don't really, I mean, you, who is his backup? JJ um, uh, Taylor, I, I guess this is his primary backup. It's more so what what Stevenson is going to get in the passing game. Otherwise, it's a mediocre offense that you hope he can score a bunch of touchdowns. It's better value than getting a guy like Nick Chubb. Like if you're going to go after grinders, but true that that's just not my like that's just not the range I want to target these guys. And I, I'm hoping they have my running backs by top three, you know, figured out by this point. Oh yeah, I'm hoping to have my top three figured out by that point too. I'm not. I'm hoping I'm not. If I'm taking my third back in the eighth round, I got a problem. But but I'm taking my fourth back, and that guy has upside. My fifth back, and that guy has upside. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. By that point, <laughs> we're gonna learn a lot. This, like these next two weeks, we're gonna learn this absolute. <clears throat> we're gonna learn how people feel about a lot of things. Yeah, and just. Draft strategy and, and and how people feel about these specific players around these ranges. I mean, as these wide receivers start to really fluctuate, you know, the way in the way it stands right now is I would still rather take Bateman, Juju, Elijah Moore, okay. Amon Ra, Robert Woods around that eighth round. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So that's you know that's where that sits. But if you're running back needy, that's a guy to target. Yeah, that I that I can go with. Uh, team reporter DP Sidhu writes Texans wide receiver Nico Collins has I just skipped over a lot of shit. Sorry. Okay, we're gonna do In that. We're gonna double back. Nick, Nico Collins has been making plays and is a mismatch in training camp. Which first off, okay, this is here because hype, right? Yeah. Nico Collins is getting hyped up, but you gotta remember one: Texans are gonna be bad. Two: Lovey Smith's a run first coach. Three, Brandon Cooks is still there. Four, he's making plays in practice and catching balls on perfectly covered routes because he's playing against the Texans' defense in training camp. I'm not a fan of Nico Collins. Sorry. This is a don't a, buy in tale for me. He's a Michigan wide receiver, too, so always remember that. Michigan wide receivers never seem to pan out. It's because of Jim Harbaugh. The fucking, like, he, he wastes, he wastes, he wastes talent good talent in every single passing person that that shows up there but also the hopper in your guys point don't target you know secondary players on bad offenses brandon cooks and one of the two running backs in double what about brevin jordan brevin jordan i like and it's tight end brandon cooks and one of the two running backs i can get behind brevin jordan a bit but because he's free, you can pick him up if you he's want. He's free. Late exactly. round tight end. That's he's a late round tight end target. Again, we're, we're not drafting Brevin Jordan. <laughs> we're drafting Brandon Cooks or one of the two running backs. You don't know yeah. that I'm not drafting Brevin Jordan. I, I might just, be drafting <laughs> Brevin Jordan late. I think I I think I have I drafted did. Brevin Jordan in a dynasty league. We're not talking dynasty. Again, yeah, redraft we're redraft hats. hats. No, we are on redraft hey, hats. We but both I've, called you out now. That's only because I haven't had a redraft draft yet. I I'm know, sure I there know. will be a situation where I'm looking for Brevin Jordan in redraft, too. Excuse me. You didn't do I, it in Scott Fish? No, because 
again, like even a tight end premium league. No, you can you you can watch list. You know, Brevin Jordan. You don't need to draft Brevin. Did Jordan. I get him? In? No, I did get somebody did. else that's catching hype later in Scott Fish, but I didn't take Brevin Jordan. I don't think. Let me go check that. But and again, don't worry about Nico Collins. Brandon Cooks. Yeah. It's all uh, that's all you should care about. Pretty for pretty wide receivers sure. in the scene. I did not get Brevin Jordan. I did get somebody we're going to talk about a little later. That's a better later on tight end target. Uh, Broncos camp. One report said that there was a 70-30 split favoring. We're just going to do Broncos here for a minute. 70-30 split favoring Javante Williams over Melvin Gordon. And then Ben Albright uh, debunked that. And Albright is always right. Uh, stating it was actually a 54-46 split towards Javante Williams. Which... Makes sense based on how those two were used last year. Now, can Javante Williams grow that? Yes. But you're not getting a value on Javante Williams. You're drafting Javante Williams right now at or near his ceiling, especially with the presence of presence of Melvin Gordon. And you need to be careful here about people using the eye test and saying it looks like 70-30 versus people that are actually counting Snapshare, Ben Albright. Are there splits and there are there ADP splits so pretty bad? Oh my god, yeah, massively. Yeah, Williams two oh eight, Melvin eight oh two. Yeah, like like you you're drafting Williams at his ceiling. Like that's like I think that's his absolute ceiling. With Melvin Gordon there. I think so, too. And he's right with Barkley and Kamara right now who have higher ceilings. And Fournette. And Fournette. I mean, God, like even... And Zeke. And Zeke. Higher ceilings. There are guys in that range with a higher ceiling than Williams. Melvin Gordon is solid, but he has no ceiling at this stage in his career. But the value... You're he's still a value. Like He's yeah. still going to have... He's a value. It should, it should, it it should absolutely lean towards more of well, Javante, and I fully but, expect Javante to be here's, into that sixty percent range towards the end of the season. Here's the other thing for me, though, right? Yeah, I think the best case scenario for Melvin Gordon absent an injury to Javante is a fifty percent snap share. God, I don't even think he gets that high too. But yeah, okay, he's going I agree. like he, like he needs an injury to Javante, but he's be. going in the eighth with Kenneth Walker or Andre Stevenson. He's going in a range where you don't want to draft him anyways. He's going to a range where you don't want to draft him anyways. <laughs> you want to go wide receiver. <laughs> but if I am drafting, but if I am drafting a running back here, I want Chase Edmonds. I want Kenneth Walker. I want Ramondre Stevenson. I want somebody with higher upside than what Melvin Gordon has in that range. Fuck, you can throw in James Cook because at least James Cook's going to probably be used as a pass catcher. And James Cook, right. So I uh, want guys. Darrell Henderson even at that point. I can't believe I'm touting Darrell Henderson. It's not that he's not solid, but give me him in that ninth round with Michael Carter or Darrell Henderson or you know, Naeem Hyde's Ronald Jones. There's a big drop off there. That's where I'm looking for Melvin Gordon if I'm running back hunting around that time. I think what we've learned over the past two episodes is that uh, the, the round eight is the RB... Uh, Dead zone. It's the RB dead zone. Like the no no zone. <laughs> no, no, no. Something else. Round eight is not the no no zone. I want to correct that just a bit. Round eight is not the no no zone. Round eight is the I'd rather have a wide receiver zone. Round nine, <laughs> when you hit Ronald Jones and Naeem uh, Hines and Raheem Mostert, is the no no zone. 
No, that's the oh hell no zone. <laughs> but then you get in like into the good range where you get all the bad, you know, like, ambiguous running back backfields and bad teams, but they're at least in double digit rounds, so you feel better about it. That'd be a round I'd be so, thinking about like quarterback at round eight, round nine. What quarterbacks are going there, Hopper? Round eight, round nine, you've got I know Lance is going there. Dak Prescott, oh, Russell no. Wilson, Tom Brady. Dak and Wilson, yeah. I would totally take that. Um, Dak, Wilson, Brady, Carl Lance. Yeah. Yeah. Seven through nine. And I guess Stafford and Rodgers are technically around seven, too. Gross. So just uh, wait for Justin Fields to run 12. Perfect. Awesome. If you're going to draft Trey Lance, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll still take Trey Lance. I would take Wilson or Prescott Again. there at the end of the seventh. Yeah. I'm fine with either of them. Yeah. No. I'm right there with you. Um. Aaron Rodgers told reporters that every single day wide receiver Romeo Dabbs has made at least one wild wow play. Um, guy that almost never gasses up wide receivers. Plenty of opportunity there in Green Bay with only Alan Lazard. Um, Christian Watson on the pup right now. So, um, Dabbs was a, he was a pretty big performer in college too. Like he like he's a four year starter. You know, when you when you look at him compared to Watson, Watson, you know, small school didn't play a whole lot against any. I mean, I both players didn't play against elite competition, but at least Dobbs played against Division One teams uh, consistently. Round, so fourth round draft capital, back to back thousand yard seasons. I Someone mean, other there. has got a catch passes there. I'm like, I, I this Green Bay offense just gives me fucking headache though. <laughs> It's, right. it's not the running backs. If it's not even Lazard, like I, I, I like we're the we're the back of bench stash. Yeah, there's opportunities. If yeah, like if he starts out slow and gets cut, which will be he's as you said, he's you know first in last you know last to be drafted, first to be cut guy. Like oh easily, that's that's where this lines up to. But I just. This Green Bay offense is an A offense I want to target in the passing game if it's not even Lazard. And that's just based on his ADP right now because it's still pretty good. All right, a couple slot receivers are probably going to have varying opinions on Isaiah McKenzie uh, working on the first, is the first team slot receiver ahead of Jamison Crowder. Crowder's been missing some practice due to general soreness. Uh, but McKenzie is operating out of the slot ahead of him right now. And Titans fifth round wide receiver Kyle Phillips. Uh, getting reps of the first team offense as the slot receiver. Yeah. Um, so Robert Woods, uh, Westbrook, Akeem kind of fell off. Didn't bo- didn't really boom last year when given an opportunity. Uh, Robert Woods is practicing without a knee brace. Uh, let's just break down those two slot receivers real quick. Which one would you rather have? Who's going to have the better season? Um, which team? produces the most opportunity for success um, as both guys are likely to also be free slash backer roster stashes that have maybe a little bit upside. McKenzie. Better Phillips. offense. McKenzie. Better offense. Yeah, I'm with you. McKenzie, it's a better offense. It's a more pass-happy offense. He's shown flashes of doing it. I think he's got a bit more big playability. It's you know Phillips and Dynasty for sure. And that's something that I'm definitely watching there, especially if he's available. Um, but lower volume, lower scoring. Um, I mean, I mean but, they're both 
they're not like they can't be worth that much different than Dynasty. What, no, McKenzie and like it should Phillips? be McKenzie on the same. Like it should be both. Like if it, like to me, it'd be both. Like do I think one of them is gonna like do I think either of them are gonna be long term Dynasty? No, but give me the one that's on a better offense that's already getting snaps over the starter and Crowder uh, given his salary. As much as I touted him, could be a cut candidate. Right? See, he's not healthy. It's only like it's only one point one. I'll take the younger guy and I'll take Phillips over McKenzie and Dynasty. He's he's four years younger and he's got a profile that, you know, when Hunter Renfro hit, hit right, the one thing I heard, oh, we never saw this coming. We didn't see this happening. How how did anybody hit on Hunter Renfro? I'll tell you exactly how I hit on Hunter Renfro. That damn agility score. There is a profile that hits time and time again for guys that are used as slot wide receivers that can be successful and it is moderate athleticism with a huge agility score and an ability to run routes with solid hands. That's what hit what was Welker hit on. It's what I believe it was Julian Edelman hit on. Um there was a Doug Baldwin was a lot of that way. Um and now We've got Hunter Renfro also checking the box from that profile. That is the Kyle Phillips profile. You are not taking Kyle Phillips to be a future elite wide receiver or a future wide receiver one in Dynasty. What you are taking Kyle Phillips for, and I preach this all the fucking time, it is about way more than just upside or just these top-tier talents or just these high-athletic darlings that you, that you think are going to have upside and bust more often than not. It's about having those solid depth players that you can put on your team and hold on to and rely on year in and year out. And if you're betting on a profile, Kyle Phillips has that type of profile. Kyle Phillips doesn't have that profile, too. That's more of like a true slot wide receiver because that's all he played when he was at UCLA was slot wide receiver. He's talking so- about Phillips, yeah. So I mean, so is I mean, in the same vein, so is McKenzie, who is when he actually gets on the field and starts actually commands targets. We know that in an offense, when he gets opportunity, will actually command targets. Like you know, you know, both wide receivers are day three picks, right? You know, both wide receivers probably have a low chance of actually hitting at the next level. So while yes, Kyle Phelps is four years younger, I at this point like. Both could be out of the league in two years. He's not just four well, years Both younger. could He's actually be staples in their offense. Four inches taller. I mean, <laughs> um, McKenzie, yeah, but it's not. I mean, sure, fine, but. And five sevens. Either way, redraft that back on. <laughs> yeah. Redraft that on yeah, it's I, McKenzie, and I don't doubt uh, it. I don't hate McKenzie. Yeah. I just wanted to pump Phillips and Dynasty for for a minute based on. You know, he has a profile that I love. He has a profile that has allowed me to hit on multiple players. Don't ignore it. Watch it in year one. And the fact that he's getting first team reps in his rookie season as a day three pick right out the start of training camp, even if it is on the Titans, can't ignore that, especially in Dynasty. Not redraft, though. No. But if he does blow up, I'll trade him. You will, and if he does blow up, I will hold him just like I have Renfro, because yeah, I, I love that type of player. You do love this type of player, and I, I love having that type of player on my roster. And I love I the cap. Love having a rock I can plug in. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, okay, moving on. Uh, the Athletics Daniel Popper, uh, Donald Parham is having a great camp. 
It's clear that he's going to be a prominent piece in the Chargers' downfield passing attack. He started to break out last year with Justin Herbert. Yes, they signed Gerald Everett. Earlier reports are that Donald Parham's going to be that guy. Tight end on a good offense. Started to build some rapport. He's the late-round tight end I was talking about liking more than Brevin Jordan. He's the late-rounder I got in Scott Fishbowl. A lot of nods. It's just, it's a, it's a hard, I mean, it's hard with that whole entire offense because it's like, there's so much to go around there. It's like, how much of an effect will he really take? Oh, well, I don't, I'm not a Mike Williams believer either. So there's that. Uh, I'm a Mike Williams believer. I've never been a Mike Williams believer. He shows up for a couple of games and then he disappears again or he gets hurt again or, or whatever the case may be. I've, I've never been a Mike Williams believer. And I think that, you know, Parham, if he sees increased role this season, could, you know, could be a dude. And it's I like a Mike Williams. A risk. I like Mike Williams, the X receiver, who's actually being used as as an intermediate guy. But as uh, in terms of these tight ends, I mean, again, you're getting them for free or at the back end of your draft. You know, this is your pick your poison. And Parham's yeah. very athletic. He's been in this offense for a couple of years. Um. We'll see how it shapes up against Everett. That's, I mean, watch that battle. Yeah. This is a very good offense that's going to throw the football an absolute shit ton. And Jared Cook was at times productive with Herbert. It's so a, there, yeah. there's, there's going to be a week or two where hopefully you guess right. It's a thing you absolutely want to pay attention to, more or less, through camp to see who's going to have the edge there. Because remember, Everett's been liked by a lot of people. Everett is also not. Really, now on a third team has not really done it yet, and there's still enough. I'm gonna go ahead and say what you're about to say there, Dan. There's still enough that went wrong for him on those two teams. The Rams not really using tight ends, and then the dumpster fire that Seattle ended up being last year. To say there's still hope for Everett, but <laughs> I, I mean, it, yeah. I'm not excited about either. It's like I don't think both of them it. are very good. Yeah. But one of them's probably going to have some production. As long as one of them overtakes the other completely, then there'll be value. If 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 we're seeing what we saw with the Rams with Everett versus um, a Tyler Higby, then I don't want either of them because I don't want a, a you know a tight end battle. Like I'll just go after somebody else at that point. Uh, torn ACL for Tim Patrick, also uh, Jordan Matthews. That's only there because he's still in the league somehow. Um, so let's talk Tim Patrick for a second. A lot of people suspecting he was going to be the wide receiver three in Denver. They just signed him, got Russell Wilson in there. I think a lot of people were drafting him as a wide receiver three or four. And the torn ACL means they're going to pivot to something. If you're asking me what this means, it's a bit of a bump for Sutton and Judy. And don't go crazy over KJ Hamler because I think that, you know, they're more going to lean towards, um, towards the tight ends here than they are, um, on KJ Hamler. That's kind of my cautionary tale here is that if you want to bump up Sutton and Judy for this, especially Judy, who I like anyway, given slot receivers and Russell Wilson because they've tended to do very well under him, um, absolutely do that. But if you're bumping anybody up or giving anybody the lion's share of that targets, it's it's going to be 
Um, you know, probably Alberto. I was healthy. so mad because like when that news came down, I just drafted freaking Tim Patrick to as my to be my wide receiver for. I took Tim Patrick and, and Scott Fish. That's why I was like this. I was just like, oh my god, Tim Patrick. I'm like, oh my gosh, because like. And I didn't see that as, you know, yeah, KJ Hamler could be that late round target. And you're saying the tight ends, but I'm still, I'm thinking it's going to be more of the running backs going to be, be more beneficial now. Just beneficial for Gordon in there. But, you know, personally, I think that it probably benefits Judy more than anything else. It should benefit both Sutton and Judy. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, Hamler as a deep, you know, as a, you know, engine bench task, I like him. No, in best ball, you know, as a big play receiver, but this should really just make the targets go, you know, towards the two good receivers in Sutton and Judy more so than the unknowns of the other guys. Well, the thing with Hamler, too, is he's a completely different type of receiver in a completely different role than what Tim Patrick is. Cortland Sutton should be fielding most of uh, that deep traffic there. Well, I mean, it, it just Hamler should be stepping into the third spot. No, he Sutton would. Pal- he will be. I'm saying yeah. is, yeah. you know, he'll be stepping into the third spot, but I'm saying it's kind of a redundant role and you're going to need somebody else other than Judy to step in th- up in that short and intermediate game. I like the call that it could be the running backs too. Um, Where was I? Uh, Albert Breer. More I say a Pacheco hype. Just a reminder to not buy into that. Nope. Nobody's buying into that, right? Nope. Uh, Jeremy McNichols placed on season-ending IR shoulder injury. That's just for you, Dan. So there's a tweet out out there today. Um, I saw this. You saw this? uh, Basically, you're right or die. (laughs) Someone put, uh, I think, I think who put uh, Jay Kumaro in a media was like, yeah, it's going to be McNichols for me, like hands down. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting news out of Bears camp. Albert Breer, or not Albert Breer, sorry. Kevin Fishman and Adam Johns both report that Dave Montgomery is seeing reps on special teams. And Khalil Herbert is seeing first team reps alongside Montgomery to start camp. Not exactly a huge vote of confidence for Dave Montgomery, but the big note here is Khalil Herbert is seeing split work with the first team offense. It's a new regime. They're going to give guys the opportunity to prove themselves. Khalil Herbert's basically a free asset right now. You, he needs to be. Dave Montgomery's like, a third round pick. And all, and no matter how you draft, you need to leave your draft with Khalil Herbert. There's, this will bump down Montgomery. You need to leave your drafts with Herbert. Is there any no, reason that Alex Madison should be being drafted where he is and Khalil Herbert should be undrafted the, given what we've seen the same thing with pinch hit duty? It's the same thing with Pollard. It's the same thing with a lot of these guys that don't have a hole that need that at that needs an absolute injury to be effective. Yeah, that's your one injury away. Yeah. One injury away. Again, just don't reach on these handcuffs. Like why pay why are no. we paying premiums for handcuffs? Because right. the what is take Khalil Herberts, but uh, but that what is scenario is what, what if it never happens and then you just wasted a whole roster yeah. spot, right? And, you know, and, and, that's people, that's miss- to, and that's what people need to get rid get get over is you know quit putting these bench cloggers on there when you could be picking up actual valuable valuable players, right? Or guys that have upside and then you rotate them out later on when 
when something happens. This is something to keep an eye on, though, because if this continues to training camp, you're going to see Khalil Herbert's going to need to come up into those background running back rooms, and you're going to need to fade Dave Montgomery a little bit. So it's something to keep an eye on. Early in training camp, I'm sure this is a new regime making guys earn their spot. Montgomery has a good attitude about this, so we'll we'll see what happens, but definitely keep a watch on this. Watch uh, watch how game two of the Bears preseason goes and see how, how much Montgomery early on see? just what the work splits look like and who's working with the ones and twos. And if you see more David Montgomery than you do Khalil Herbert, that's another bad sign in those couple games. Speaking of games, there's a game going on right now. Yay. It's a Hall of Fame game. It doesn't count. Yeah. It does not count. <sighs> Football is back, but is it really? Yeah, not really. Samir <laughs> White's having a game. That's all I can say. See, is it really back? If Zamir White is Zamir White is having a game, it's not really back. Because, That's because Jacksonville is playing all their twos. Did Zemir, you see? Yeah. Did you see all? Did you see the entire list of Jacksonville players not playing? It's no, like the entirety of their ones. And Jacksonville's <laughs> a team of two. And Jacksonville's team of ones would be twos and threes on most teams. So, yeah, no one's shocked that the running game has been effective. Okay, I, I love you, Ryan, but. I'm just glad to see him back. He's back on the practice field because he wasn't practicing until that's, this weekend. That's fair. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. In related news, Kenyon Drake still expected to have a significant role. We'll talk about that more in a minute. Beer review. All right, as a reminder, I am drinking Montucky Cold Snap, the unofficial beer of, of Montana. Uh, and for lager, I will say that this is a, a really, really good beer. Um, you know, uh, medium low head retention. Okay, fine. Not fantastic, but the carbonation levels were, wa- were good. The clarity on this thing was brilliant. Um, you know, a nice, just kind of neutral, but sweet malt aroma, like I'd expect out of, out of a lager. Um, you know, really low hop aroma, nothing overpowering, just, um, multi sweetness on the tongue without being too much. Just overall a really, really good lager, really, really drinkable, not void of flavor in the least bit. Um, definitely balances a little bit more towards the, you know, your sweeter malt. Uh, but you know, there is a little bit of hop character there to speak of. Uh, finish leaves you wanting more of it. I wish I'd picked up more than one of these because this is a fantastic, fantastic beer. Very good job by them. Ryan, you can go. I got Stone Hazy IPA. Comes in at 6.7%. And just like my typical Hazy IPAs are, it's tropical, citrusy, and juicy. Very smooth. I'm actually on my second one, almost done with it. It's actually, it's actually a pretty enjoyable beer. Nice haze to it. Good carbonation. Definitely, am, you can actually drink all weekend. What is the uh, what is the ABV on it, Ryan? I think it's thirty six. It's kind of low. The alcohol percentage. Oh, six point seven. And, and so it's thirty six IBU. Yeah, right around there. Okay, yeah. So it's about as hazy as you're gonna get for a West Coast IPA. <laughs> Or not, or, or from a West Coast brewery uh, doing a hazy, amazingly hazy, amazingly, amazingly hazy. Again, I am, uh, I am drinking 
Melvin IPA. This is from Melvin Brewing, they're out of uh, Wyoming. This is 7.5%, 80 IBUs, um, a two-row is malt. Um, it's hopped with Centennial, Simcoe, and Citra. Again, all West Coast hops. Um, very, very malt-heavy on the back end. Uh, you get the juicy aromas from the Citra and the Simcoe on the mouthfeel, and then it really kind of leads towards the malty, malt-caramel finish, um, just like a true traditional West Coast would be. Um, I'm very, very happy with this beer. Um, it's about a month fresh, which is pretty much pretty the end near sweet spot for IPAs. Um, it, it's if you guys ever get a chance to see this brewery, uh, if I get if I can get it in Missouri, there's a good chance that they're 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 in other multiple states. So if you see Melvin Brewery, go ahead and pick up the Melvin IPA. You will not be disappointed. Gotta love your guys' reviews. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the best part is is uh, I had to pull up Beer Advocate. That's why I wanted you to go. I'm trying to figure out what the hot profile is because the website doesn't tell me. So thankfully, Beer Advocate is your best fucking friend for most information. I'll be ready for that next week. Un- untap pretty good too. Untap is good. Um, yeah. Um. All right. Back to this. The athletic Zach Keeper Kiefer reports rookie tight end Jelani Woods probably coming along a little slower than teams would like. Look lost at times. Um, you know, they're, we got another tight end that's struggling with, with drops. Matt Ryan, traditionally quarterback that likes his tight ends, likes to work over the middle, likes to work down the seam. And uh, Mo Alley Cox seems to be like he's clearly going to be entrenched as the one here. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think, I don't think anyone's shocked by this, honestly. This shouldn't be. No, he was, he was a super raw tight end coming right yeah. out of college. So, I mean, yeah. He's, it was what I expected. He's a 13th round pick currently. So, again, um, Ali Cox. Oh, Cox. I'm sorry. I was like, yeah. Jesus. No, right? I was thinking the same thing. It was a it was a Jelani <laughs> Woods note who, again, tight ends out of college. This is a reminder that regardless of how much hype they might catch, hard position to adjust to. You're not looking at them to produce your one. I would steer clear of every damn tight end in Every damn rookie tight end in redraft this year, if you can help it until they show something. Every single year. You're looking every for, year. You should never draft a rookie tight end in redraft ever. The, just just yeah, don't. The sweet spot for tight ends for me is to get formerly highly sought after tight ends in new places like Evan Ingram late or tight ends that have been maybe hyped for a few years and finally getting their shot or finally healthy late. Um, you know, that could be guys like Evan Ingram, like Hayden Hurst. That can be guys like Irv Smith, Mo Alley Cox, you know, all in this range here in the 13th, 14th round at the end of your draft. We've said for years, take two and hope one of them hits or rotate them to start. Um, that doesn't change here. Mo Alley Cox is firmly in that area too. Yeah. Like if you can get, like if you can get one of the Chico tight ends, your Kelsey's, your Andrews, uh, Pitts here too. Oh just wait. Just do, wait. Do, do not just do not take middle round tight ends. Do not take yep. tight ends through the fit through the sixth through tenth round. Just don't even filter the position into your draft board. Just wait and take your late round guys. You no, know, the guys that Hopper just mentioned, Ryan has a bunch. They're they're just wait because the points per game difference is so minimal. That you should not be for going value for a position that you can easily replace through 
waivers and free agency throughout the year. Also, your mid-round tight ends were exactly <laughs> that last year. So your mid-round tight ends, right? I want to. We're going to prove a point here because I can do it pretty easily. Yeah, you can. Your mid-round tight ends right now <laughs> are Dalton Schultz, Dallas Goddard, Dawson Knox. Oh God. Those are the three tight ends that are going around six to eight. It's Schultz, Goddard, Knox, Firemuth is in round ten right now, which I would still actually consider a value. We'll That's, throw we'll yeah. throw So let's go with Schultz, Goddard, and Knox. If we look at where they were going last year. And I fully expect Schultz to probably move up with the news you, you, uh, out of Dallas with all the injuries that they're now. He accumulating probably will. out there. So he probably, he'll probably move up. Goddard was going around eight, which is where the last guy ring, ring off was. Um, and the other two were, good Lord, I'm still going. Friermuth was around 14. Schultz was undrafted. Yeah, both guys were essentially free in yeah, redraft. They were basically free. So yeah. uh, Knox is also undrafted. So those mid-round tight ends you're pining after this year were damn near undrafted last year and sitting right in this position. You're going to find two or three more this year. It's like yeah. fucking clockwork. Every single year, it's like a rotation of players that have a low target share. Some get propped up from touchdown volume. Some get propped up because of injuries. And then you just rinse and repeat. Like Actually, let's do, let's do this again, too, right? So yeah. looking at it last year, your... Mid-round tight ends were Logan Thomas, Noah Fant, Robert Tunyon. Oh, hey, God. how many of them wow. did anything? I mean, ripped to Tunyon in injuries, but still, I mean, <laughs> no fan. Yeah, a guy fueled by touch. He was fueled by well, touch. Well, Logan Thomas was injuries, and so kind of yes. was was Noah Fant. But I mean, same thing, right? That's why you don't spend this draft capital because you know who else you could have had here. Actually. Not very much of anything. <laughs> oh, this, is, this round was just a dead zone last year. Wow. That's why I like to always go look at. I always look at elite or just late. Yeah, yeah. that should you know. Here we go. That's that's how you approach tight ends in most in most formats. There's some... don't give me the middle tier. I I just want elite or late. Yep. Yep. Elite or late for sure. Anyway, so that solidifies that. All right, Daniel Popper uh, notes that rookie running back Isaiah Spiller. Well, there are two notes. Oh, There's a name. There are two notes here. First one, earlier in the news cycle this week, reported that Isaiah Spiller was catching passes, looking explosive, getting north-south. The note later in the week said that he's been running exclusively with the twos behind Larry Roundtree and Joshua Kelly to start training camp. Make sure, another tip, you are piecing all of your information together as you buy into this stuff. Because you read that first note, and it's like, holy shit, he's got a chance, and does he? Sure. You read the second note, though, and it gives you a lot of information about where he is He is currently valued. The fact that they're running their three other backs ahead of him right now. A lot of rookies are going to have to come in and earn it, and will they? But the second part of that is he's looking that good against the Chargers twos, not their ones. So just things to keep in mind. That's the only reason I'm making that point. 
It's a good point. Pay attention to all of the information, not just the latest news bit. But also, don't overread it. Read too much into it either. Right. Because you're reading into that first news bit, you're going to start to hype him. You're reading into that second one, you're doing exactly right. the opposite. Oh, the, the hype's already on there. I'm, yeah. I'm already seeing the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the Spiller Truthers uh, uh, victory lapping this. Yeah. As if um, he is the true one injury away. Now, granted, I am the, uh, uh, Ryan's probably more pro than me, but I am of the of the thought that Spiller is better than both Roundtree and Kelly. So, Oh, absolutely. I am not shocked uh, that he's playing I think behind so. because it's the first week of training camp and he's still a rookie, but mm-hmm. he's still going to have to work out for his role. And he's just still, again, you don't need to draft him. Yeah, and the I guys ahead of him are veterans. Just, just watch list yep. them. Just you watch them on the watch list, and, and that's all you need to do. You let it roll and see how that shakes out. Because here's the other thing, right? They don't need a pass catching back. That's how Austin Eckler made his work. So who's the better runner? That's what it's going to come down to for that week-to-week value before you're just in an Alex Madison situation where you're looking for a replacement. And most handcuffs aren't aren't Madison in the sense where we've yeah. seen the handcuff produce and Multiple there is no years. other competition for him to. Mm-hmm. So. And, and handcuffing yourself just kind of screws yourself in a way. Yeah, yeah, don't draft. You're, you're taking that. away valuable you roster spots. You don't draft yep. anticipating somebody to get injured. You pivot on that later. Yeah, absolutely. Because guess what? The idea should be cover your injuries with some of those other guys that might have value hitting by just being good enough to carve out a role. Mm-hmm. Or 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 if the starter in front of them gets hurt, right? Why then you they get carve out a more b- starters on your team that you can now use to manipulate. Then they carve out a trade for bigger it. role yeah. instead of you don't go from no role injury. I have a role. You go from I have a role. It might be limited, and now I have a bigger role. Yeah. Yep. Um. Let's see. Elijah Moore. Well, Mitch Trubisky hasn't been that sharp. It's early in camp. New offense. I'm not concerned about that right Both now. Both him and Pickett have got a horrible, horrible press out of uh, Pittsburgh. <laughs> yep. New offense. New offense. Early in training camp. Just note it. Uh, Zach Rosenblatt writes, Elijah Moore seems to have firmly established himself as the number one receiver. Meanwhile, Corey Davis dropped some pounds, playing lighter, uh, hopefully helps with injuries some. And Zach Wilson getting a hype video, throwing bombs. Let's talk about this. Corey Davis right now is a fifth-round pick, or a 15th-round pick, I think. Oh, I was going to say fifth-round? Wow. No, Corey Davis is going late. So is there any want on... On Corey Davis recapturing some upside, if he can be, if he can be healthy, do you think that? Yeah, he's around fifteen. So, do you like Corey Davis to produce the likes of Robbie Anderson, George Pickens, Nico Collins, Sammy Watkins, and Jamison Crowder? Worth taking for free. Let's start there. Absolutely. Well, well, sure. I mean, yeah. Like if the guy, if the guy's producing, sure. The best thing about this is, is that you don't have there, to no, there, There's no cost to him. No. So there's no need to worry about whether or not he's going to hit. Again, he's your first, last guy drafted, first guy cut. So. Yep. And, pl- and plus, he performed last year too when he was actually healthy. healthy. Yep. You know. But Elijah Moore, though. Elijah Moore is the one who's in that eighth round of wide receivers, which oh, is why I say you want wide receivers because Elijah Moore also produced. Also, every really single good. day is a new clip of him doing something. A new crazy. bomb, a oh, new bomb catch. Oh, just, so, just, 
Hopper, you and I, same page on this guy. We don't yeah. always have the same page. Like, let's we are. And he's going. To, and he's going in the eighth round, right? He's going in the eighth round. So my question right with now, Elijah yeah. Moore is: Oh yeah. Okay, he's going to start to skyrocket if this keeps up. How high does he go before you feel like it's too Ooh, high? That's a good question. Fifth. Uh, no. I'd probably say the fifth round. No, fifth round probably right run. now is Hopkins, Williams, Thomas. Godwin will keep going up because he is looking like he's going to be healthy now. And Brandon Cooks. There's so much to still be weeded out this see. Like it's got to be based on how this looks in about a week or two. And how the AP looks. So how high he can go for me right now, right now, today, August 4th, 9.52 p.m., 2022. Round uh, three. It's Are you nuts? Round... Are nuts? Fine, fine. Do you want Elijah Moore over DK Metcalf? Mm, want... No. Elijah Moore or Metcalf. Okay, fine. Elijah Moore take... or Terry McLaurin. And Deontay Johnson right there. It's definitely that. I mean, those are all round four, right? Round three is yeah. Pittman, Higgins, A.J. Brown. I said three was my two. Too high. Too far. Okay, yeah, yes. Oh, okay. Then, yeah. I'm, then I'm with you. Round four is as high as he could go before I'm out. He can yes. go into round four with Metcalf, McLaurin, Johnson, D.J. Moore, Jalen Waddell. He can go up into that range, and I'm still totally on board. Yeah. You get up to round four, three perfect. where Pittman, Higgins, Brown, Allen are. I'm out. Yeah. I don't expect them to go. I expect the ceiling of his ADP ceiling. Five. five. Highest. Which is where Hopkins, Mike Williams, Michael Thomas, and Chris Godwin all are right now. As of right now, yes. I think I he expect, could easily be Thomas better than Godwin all of them. Up. Yeah, I expect, I expect Thomas. I expect Thomas. Thomas, he's healthy. Godwin. It's been nothing but positive reports, especially with Godwin's the same ball. They're, they're, both of those guys are going to move up probably at least one round, if not two. And, they and will, and that's going to push mid-round three. DJ Moore and Jalen Waddle down into the fifth, and that's <sighs> going to make that fifth round a sweet spot, I think. And there's and DJ Moore's got a lot of hype. Him and Baker, oh a lot of positive the last week and a half, or last yep. week since uh, <laughs> since Baker's been there. So Yep, and uh, Jalen Waddle actually should come down some, too. So Waddle will probably just move back, yeah. Waddle will probably just move back because of the broad receivers moving up. Yep. Organically. Be interesting yep. to see how this sits. James Washington, broken foot, expected to miss six to ten weeks. It is a Jones fracture, which we have seen plenty of wide receivers struggle to come back from. I believe, well, Julio Jones had this. Uh, Sammy Watkins had this early on, too. I think, I think so. Just assume Sammy Watkins has had about every injury. He had, oh. he had battle foot injuries early. Him and Cooper we're both the same. They Cooper both was the same way. Foot injuries. Right. Yeah. And this is exactly what that is. He was going to be fielding in for Gallup. Gallup already ruled out for week one. Um, Jalen Tolbert. Tolbert. <laughs> Jalen Tolbert. Now, the other thing I did in a dynasty league th- this week, though, is I also picked up Noah Brown. Because Noah Brown oh. is probably my favorite to start is the wide receiver three. And here's the thing about Noah Brown, too, that a lot of people may not realize. This year, Cedric Wilson. I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) Yes. But here's the other thing with Noah Brown, right? Noah Brown's a 2017 draft pick. He came out early, 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 and we chastised him for it. Um, From Ohio State, too, right? Yeah. We we went hard at Noah Brown for coming out early. Um. Because we thought he was young, was going to be a developmental piece, had a lot of talent, 
but was way too raw and should have stayed in school another two or three years and developed that some, then they could have been a high-round pick. He has been with the Cowboys his entire career. He is on his second contract, is a late-round draft pick, and has been with one team, which tells you that they like him. So Noah Brown coming in as the wide receiver three is something I'm definitely paying attention to if there's positive reviews coming out of camp because this is a team that will throw 650 times and not think twice about it. It is a boost for Dalton Schultz, and it's huge for Jalen Tol- Tolbert, as we as we talked about. Jalen Tolbert should be considered, well, how high can he go? Where do you want him? Do you want him in the Cooper, Jerry, Judy, Darnell Mooney, Marquise no, Brown no, range? No. Lower. I'm with you. All right, let's go down a bit. How about 10 plus. Yeah, how, absolutely. Okay. How Double about... Below that, below that. Gallup's going 10.04. Gallup, Tony, Drake, London. What about round 12? Tony's still going. Ra- oh, man. He, he's going to move up to single digits with all of his hype. Uh, round 12 would be Christian Watson, Tyler Boyd, somehow Calvin Ridley. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Sky Moore's down there, too. Some of these guys are going to move up. <laughs> Calvin <Yeah>. Ridley. <laughs> Devontae Parker's there. Uh, Landry's there. With Yeah, I think that probably around... Yeah, Valdez, Scantling, Hardman, McKenzie. That 12-13 range is where I think you can get Tolbert. And I think is the wide receiver, too, in Dallas. You're happy with that because guess what? There's a great chance he outperforms that, especially early season. He is the the quintessential. If you go heavy running back, you go Tolbert to kind of help, you know, smoothie over until you get through the Michael Gallup injury. Like, even then, like, Tolbert was a third-round pick. Like, Dallas... Took Tolbert day two. That is a high praise. A gallop was the same round when they took him uh, back in 2018. Hasn't been able to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there. It's like we, like we just can't assume that Gallup's going to just com- have his complete role if he's out for six plus weeks. No. If Tolbert performs early on, yeah. What's to say that Tolbert just can't hold on to that role? So, yep. And. Any plays in, I expect them to, I mean, it depends on what they'll do with Lamb, but so, Tolbert's not an inside-outside guy, too. Even round 11, right? Round 11, you're fighting between who is going to be opposite Michael Thomas for the Saints. Uh, Traylon Burks, who's looking like he's going to have a slow start right now, and Devonta Parker in New England. In round 12, you're fighting over, do you want Jalen Tolbert, or do you want your best guess at who's going to be uh, the other wide receiver from Kansas City, not named Juju. Yeah, I'm so fine. Yeah, like, like I'm fine. Like with in Sky those here. range, I'm so fine with Sky. I'm so fine with Lave, and I'm so fine with Burks. Sky's been battling hamstring injuries, so that's the only he thing that been. I'm watching a bit because that's he had a hamstring injury in the off season and another one in camp. So you got to pay attention to that now. Yeah, thankfully Tolbert's may not even go into that range because he's no. still a forgotten name. So redraft listeners out there, right down Tolbert alongside, you know, yeah, your KJ Osborne's and stuff like yep. name to highlight. Yep, absolutely. Um, and we'll keep an eye on the draft, on the draft capital. Of some of these guys, we will do ADP check-ins every week from now to the start of the season. Uh, this is kind of where we're setting everything up. Speaking of the weekend, Sean McVay, uh, says he looks at it as they have two starting running backs. Hello, Henderson Acres, running back by community. Interesting value. Acres three twelve. Hey, just coach talk. You think? 
I do right now. Yeah, I think out of this, I still really have Acres because you could tell like last year they were trying to replace Henderson in a way. That's why they kind of had Acres come back so quickly. I mean, he didn't come back so quickly, but like right, so when he was Sony back Michel- in practicing, he was back in the game. The better argument for that. Henderson yeah. just like he should not be like his role should not be bulk of the carries. Like like no. he was drafted to be a guy that could be his own specialist his own specialist role. This is more so a sign towards maybe Acres isn't the bell call. Well and the thing with Acres, right? He came back early and people want to make a lot out of that and he showed some flashes as his rookie year, but I mean, last season after coming back, he, he didn't average more than four yards an attempt in in any game. He had one game where he went over seventy scrimmage yards. So, just I so, wouldn't read too much into that. I, the yeah, fact yeah. he's coming he's back coming from back Achilles from injuries. Achilles injury, yes, but it comes down to neither guy has proved that they can handle the bulk of the carry yet. Or that they're going to be the guy that handles the bulk of the carry yet. So I can have Henderson in the double digit rounds, or I can have Akers at the end of the third. Again, it's a situation where I think he may be taking Akers at his upside. And, you know, Henderson's at a level right now where he's either going to outperform that. He's in the ninth with Naeem Hines or he mustard. It's the dead zone. He's in the area where he's going to outperform that, or you're going to drop him and you're going to turn him for somebody that's taking over because of an injury. I have no issue with Acres in the third. I, and it, it, like, if you want to skip out on Acres and take Anderson in the eighth, and in, in which he'll now move move. This news hasn't even been talked about by yeah. Joel. I, like, I don't know if Henderson's going to move up or not. Take like, I won't. Be. I won't say take both. That's no, don't take much. both. That, that's too much value drafted into one backfield. If you don't want Acres, take Henderson. If you're fine with taking Acres, I'm fine there in the third round. I still think and- there's a lot of. I think there's good upside. The fact that they leaned on him coming back from his Achilles injuries means more than what his efficiency was when he came back. So my biggest issue with the third and fourth round running backs is I feel like they should be flip-flopped. I feel like Dobbins and, and Akers going 310 to 312 should maybe be flip-flopped with Mitchell ETN going 406, well, I, 407. I would rather much have ETN over all of them. That's, oh, yeah, absolutely. That's just love ETN you know, Mitchell showing there's injury concerns there, just like there are with Dobbins and Akers and Gibson even uh, in that range. But showing what what he can do and then Jacobs having, you know, look, he's still going to be the lead backfield in Vegas. I just think that this there's a lot of question marks in this area, and I would rather bet on, you know, maybe a Gibson or even Dobbins or definitely ETN over over Cam Akers in this range of of backs. It gets I'll I'll say this. It it gets gross. Like ETN um I'm fine with Akers and Dobbins. I'll take the chance on the injury with the upside they have there. Gibson scares the shit out of me with whatever the fuck Washington wants to do. Mitchell I think is priced perfectly. I do too. Uh Josh will probably fall down Jacobs will fall down. Uh, Clyde's going too high. Damien's going too high. Brees Hall is probably should come up a little Perfect. bit. Oh, he should definitely come up. I mean, it, there's been no news. There's been some small Michael Carter is hurt news, but that's it. Like he, there's been no news Whoa. to move him up or down. That's true. That is true. Good that's and bad, nuts. I guess. Yeah, it is. But Brees Hall, shit ton of upside. Like you that could, is my. Oh, yeah. If I can't get ETN, I want Brees Hall in the fifth. You could honestly put Acres anywhere between three twelve and five eleven, where Miles Sanders is, and I understand it. I'll just say that. 
<laughs> like, it gets so gross. Like, oh, my God, they're running back. Oh, man. Oof. So, yeah. But here's the thing, right? I talk all the time. You win leagues by players not performing draft position. Acres right now, I don't have it filtered by running back, but he's going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He's RB nineteen. So he's going as the RB nineteen. I think he can outperform that. It's not out of the realm of possibilities, but it's not going to be by a lot, especially when you consider that. You know, okay, he can outperform Dobbins potentially. I think both of those guys potentially outperform James Conner. Um, the high end running backs are starting to kind of shape up. Dan I don't Montgomery, think there's anything too crazy so far. No, it's really when you get to the tier above that with Zeke Fournette and then Williams, yeah. Barkley, Kamara. That you know, I don't see him necessarily outperforming. He'll outperform a couple of those guys, but you know, those guys have a much higher ceiling. Yeah. So I don't, especially I, guys like Barkley, Kamara. And Zeke. Akers is about as high yeah. as I would draft him, I would say. He could maybe move up to the beginning of the third round, and I would still consider it, but he's, or middle of the third round, and I'd still consider it, but he's about as high as I would be willing to draft him. And we expect Monty to go down, too, yeah. just given the news out of Chicago, the special teams work. And, and, and if he is, if if the splits in game two for, for preseason is pretty 50 50 with Herbert, then I think you're going to see. Montgomery on a lot of bus lists, which will drop the ADP even lower. It will. All right. Um, where the hell was I? There's Spiller, Trubisky, Nico. We already talked about all that. Elijah Moore, Washington. I lost my spot. There, there we go. Uh, Irv Smith, thumb injury, should be ready by week one, whatever. We already talked about him as a late-round option. Uh, Steelers kicker Chris Boswell four year twenty million extension. As far as kickers in your dynasty league go, um, you know maybe hold off a bit on Boswell. Same thing with redraft. Not sure, uh, you know, not sure how good the Steelers' offense is going to be, and that includes being able to move the ball into field goal range. Uh, a lot of times, field goal kickers, I want an offense that's going to be good enough to move the ball, but maybe not good enough to punch it into the end zone. So, um, you know, we'll tap it on Boswell this year. And that's kicker talk. That's <laughs> good. Yay, kicker got paid. Yay, congratulations. Uh, ESPN's Nick Wagner believes Tyrion Davis Price and Jeff Wilson could be involved, quote, early and often. This is again news that the concern about Elijah Mitchell's injury situation is real, and the possibility that the 49ers take more of a James Conner approach to keep, keep him efficient but healthy. So it's an RBBC. That's not a Kyle. That's not Kyle Shanahan's yeah, mo. He's though, always one running like, back. Literally ever, it's been run down my starter until he gets hurt. Next man up. That's why. That's why we still like Mitchell in the fourth round. Well, as long as he's healthy, uh, he should be the starter. And and obviously, Tasha upsides it. Coleman so and Freeman. Fair until Freeman took over the backfield, and he was an RB one for that year. Coleman got hurt. He wasn't hurt for the whole year, though, was he? I don't think he was hurt for the whole year. Well, let's go look at it. Kyle Shanahan. Good news is we have the internet. We figure this shit out live we do. on there. I get it on the fly. Um. So in Atlanta 2015-2016, he was the offensive coordinator there. And... 
Devonta Freeman had 265 attempts, 1,000 yards. Tevin Coleman uh, played 12 games that year, only 87 attempts. But he caught two passes. So, yeah. Coleman was more of a... <laughs> all right. Yeah. Coleman. And then 2016, Freeman 16 games, Coleman 13 games. This is the one. Um. 40. Freeman was still RB1, I think, all that year. Yeah, it was 940 scrimmage yards for Tevin Coleman, and it was 1,400 for Freeman. It was an RB1. Coleman was just an RB2. So the thing is still, Mitchell in the fourth round is still good. Yes. You should try to, you should, you should still be trying to get uh, Price, Wilson, and these San Francisco backs. Get price back. later. Yeah. 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 Just stash. Wilson, you know, like, when his number gets called, if he's clearly the two, that he's going to perform. But you'll be able to He'll get have him well, at least one, two touchdowns. You'll be able to sure. get him on, ra- on waivers. I've done it three years in a row. <laughs> yeah, right. right? <laughs> he, he's always good for that 12 carry. Including in Dynasty. I probably cut and re-signed him more than anybody else in Dynasty. <laughs> He's going to get like 12 carries, 68 yards, two touchdowns. You're like, all right, he's an RB1 this week. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff Wilson. And, and then I'll get one carry the next week when Mitchell's back. <laughs> all right. Let's talk Bucks for a second. Chris Godwin looking like he will be ready to go week one. Um, this is freaking nuts. Russell Gage, uncoverable. And they signed Julio Jones. Who's getting a lot of early work with getting Tom Brady. A lot of early work. The, the, is that just the tight end? <laughs> They're gonna run four receivers. Cameron Fuck Bray. Up a tight end. Just put him back on my dynasty roster. <laughs> we all knew you would. They're just gonna run Julio. You know, as a move tight end, and in, not have a tight end at all. In your league, I put him on my good dynasty roster. <laughs> Insurance, I guess. Um, no, I think that this is a tough one. Godwin's gonna come along slow. They're not gonna rush him back in. He could be seen in pinch hit duty, so you gotta be wary of that. Um, Julio Jones, we don't know what he has left in the tank. Look, Gage, regardless of the hype, is going to end up buried if they have a full complement of healthy wide receivers. The play on Gage was always Godwin's going to miss. They didn't sign anybody. He's going to absolutely blow up. When you plug in Julio, that completely changes that narrative. That completely changes that scenario. And if Godwin's healthy, that definitely changes that narrative in that scenario. Because you can't put them all on the. You can't put all. Five, I guess you can't put all five of them on the field with with a running back Evans, Julio, Godwin, Gage, all four of them, whatever. But Tom Brady is not going to support four wide receiver twos or higher. So, no, he. I mean, God. The, the amount that he supported last year, like it, it, it's don't don't reach on Julio. Uh, Gage should obviously drop back down to the double digits. Julio is a fine late round pick. This is a situation to watch through training camp. I'm not even going to try is. to assess this right now. That's fair. That's this is going to be something to watch through training camp and see how Godwin's progressing before we even try to assess it. Check in with us in two weeks. Uh, Travis Etienne has been the star of Jaguars training camp so far. Dan, go ahead. He is. If you miss out on Swift in round two, three, Etienne. Etienne is is this year's is this year's DeAndre Swift. He he proved to be a pass catcher in college. His final two years, over 100, 
over 100 targets. Uh, gets to play with his boy um, uh, Trevor Lawrence in more of a a a, a non distracting offense with now Doug Peterson. Uh, you, you have James Robinson coming back off of his own Achilles injury. It, it's ETN all the way. And Kurt, it's there's a lot of hype around Kurt there too. Jacksonville's offense is could be this year's Cincinnati, where you 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 start to see what they want to do all be put together and a lot of players paying off of their ADP. Lawrence uh, paying off on his, Kurt playing off on his, especially ETN paying off on his. They've got good coaching, and I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. I think they you have to like ETN, especially given the pass catching upside. Round four, he is the perfect like if you go wide receiver heavy early, you can still get hero RB and ETN in round four, maybe even reach for him in round three. Like I love ETN this year. A lot of upside. Yes, there's risk, but that's the game of, of playing with running backs is always risk. So just go even for the, upside. Even the news of like James Robinson coming back and being ready for week one, I'm still all over ETN. Don't care. Don't nope. care. I'll, don't care. Yep. I I'm good. I want I want Robinson to be to be just fine, healthy, and be productive. I, w- I still want the pass catching back in this offense. Because he'll be blind. Yep. Uh, Giants. Wondell Robinson has been, quote, the star of the Giants offense throughout training camp. Uh, we're in Saquon Barkey. Barkley. Saquon Barkey. <laughs> Barkey. Whoa. Whoa. Come here, boy. Uh, looks very good early in training camp. Barkley's a, a popular pick to outproduce fourth round ADP. Oh, I love Saquon Barkley this year. I can see him getting a bounce back all the way to the RB1 this year. He's he is, uh, 208 right now as the RB12. Um, I don't know how much higher he's going to get to. Maybe to maybe his ceiling is Joe Mixon Swift at RB7, RB8 at the back end of the first, but still take him over those two. Right now, Barkley anywhere outside of round one is value like this the, still one of the greatest running back prospects ever i mean just it's, like you get one of the top three backs and saquon barkley in the next round it's you, like, can literally go, you could go mccaffrey barkley Fournette, or zeke it's maybe receiver nuts. and then etn your one two and three rbs could be cmc barkley in ETN. You can also grab Chaser Jefferson in that first round and then go with with Absolutely. Barkley and Z. Yeah. Oh, this is why I've been having, like, I'm telling you. It's, so you go Chaser okay. Jefferson, Andrews in the second, Barkley in the third. Andrews in the second. What? Mark Andrews? In the second? I, I still go that high. Not a snowball's chance in hell am I taking a tight end in the second round. Unless it's heavy premium. And even what's premium? He is two twelve. See, he's going back second, but I would rather take Kyle Pitts in the fourth round. So, if you're going to go elite, yeah, yeah, if I'm going elite tight end, at least give me the round, the one round discount. And here's the thing in standard leagues we got to talk about with Andrew since you brought it up. He's going at the two twelve, right? Yeah. Okay, but you taking him over you know, Tyreek Hill, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, AJ Brown, T Higgins. I want Mike Evans for sure on that end. And I would also take Keenan Allen, AJ Brown, and T. Higgins. And, you know, here's the thing, right? You're looking at, if you're taking tight ends that high, you look at where they rank with the wide receivers because people talk about positional viability. Most of you are playing in 12 team leagues. 
there are three teams that are going to get a potentially elite tight end. It's been that way for years. And one of those teams is going to have an elite tight end that you didn't think was going to be an elite tight end. And they're going to miss out on either a high-end running back or a high-end wide receiver, which is going to kill that advantage. The other eight teams in that, or the other nine teams in that league, if you're running your leagues right, three of which should make the playoffs, are going to have middle-of-the-road tight ends, which we just talked about. You can get them in the late rounds. I'm not against elite-tier tight ends. I don't want to take Kelsey at the 203 ahead of guys like uh, Kamara, Barkley, Williams, Lamb, Debo, around guys like Chubb, Diggs, Swift, Mixon at a 30-plus-year-old tight end. And I don't necessarily want to take Andrews back into the second either. Given the running back scarcity, given um, the drop-off of you know, wide receiver, there's still value you can get late, but there is definitely a drop-off after the top of the third round. See, I'm fine. It's more so, it's it's how you want to construct your first three or so picks. So if you're, if you're taking, you know, Kelsey top into the second, you have to look at what's going to be back there at the back end of the third, early fourth. So you're rounding out your roster. So it's more so, okay, fine. Let's, let's say we go, you know, you can go, you know, chase, mix in. Like it, it, it just depends how you want to structure your your roster based on league setting, based on scoring settings, and how you want to shape your starters or or, or shape who you're gonna be your build around players. I think Kelsey can easily finish as a wide receiver one this year as a number Agreed. one tight end. Andrews, I'm not as confident. Just if you look at the splits between between Jackson and Huntley, it, it's not so great. A lot of Andrews' damage came with Lamar Jackson's backup, but Lamar is playing out, out of his fucking mind right now. And Andrews is still going to be a, a heavily volume tight end. Um, it, it pits in the fourth is probably my biggest sweet spot, especially if I don't get Kelsey or Andrews in the second. Or if I like, I'm, I'm okay more so skipping with Andrews, but uh, Kelsey pits, um, it's, it, it's, as we as we mentioned earlier, is is elite tight ends or like wait until late. late? Yeah, and and that's what we're gonna shape up. I love Travis Kelsey this year a lot. I have a feeling he can break the tight end record for receptions and targets. Ladies and gentlemen, we have moved on to top tier tight ends, which tells us you how much we care about Wandale Robinson, which is where we initially started this conversation. <laughs> I've been seeing more Tony talk than like this. Wandell is the best. Like I've seen a lot of Tony hype, not so much Wandell. So yeah, I'm on Tony. Maybe it's not me buying into Wandell as that talk. I'm not gonna buy into fucking whatever dude's name is. Five foot six wide receiver, Tavon Austin, two point oh. I'm not buying it. Yeah, Uh, Tony at value, and then Barkley, and then maybe Daniel Jones at value. That's about it. Okay, moving on. Greg Roman said Lamar Jackson is throwing the best he's ever seen him. Multiple reports of tighter spirals and more zip on his balls. Uh, more accuracy, again, with Lamar Jackson. I don't want to repeat all my rants. It's, if you take that next step as a passer, he is the dynasty quarterback. He's also, one. He, 
it's also bulked up to 230. Which, which, I, also which I also like because that makes him able to absorb his play style. And which is also a lot of a lot of people are, are contributing to more of his sip because yep. it's all packed on muscle. Like Lamar contract here potentially. Oof, it's going to be fun. All right, Colts wide receivers, uh, Paris Campbell and Matt Ryan have shown a strong connection during the early days of Colts training camp where Alec Pierce has been with the starters from day one, uh, learning all three wide receiver spots because that is something that uh, is required by the Colts. Uh, Why did I have a note there about Robert Woods being totally back to normal with the Colts? I think that that was a copy-paste there. Anyway. Whoops. (laughs) Whoops. Anyway. Um. Pierce Campbell, Alec Pierce. We know Michael Pittman. We've talked about him several times on the show. He is going the end of the third. Are we taking another Colts wide receiver? Pierce Campbell right now appears to be undrafted. That's that should change. And Alec Pierce is going in the fourteenth round. First off, Pierce Campbell absolutely should be drafted. Um, this is a guy that, as long as he's healthy, has a bunch of upside, and I think that you can absolutely take him up. Probably even into the tenth round, where Gage, Claypool, Lazard, Kirk, Gallup, and Tony are going. Yeah, because it totally feels like Pittman and Campbell are, are your clear one and two. Yeah, and Pierce is going to get the opportunity to learn the role as a rookie, and you look at him for for a year or two, or yeah. maybe some week to week if Campbell gets hurt again or something happens with Pittman. And then other truth or status guy, Ash and Doolin. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, also getting a lot of hype here too. Just just saying. He was an all pro. He was an all pro. Special teams. Special well, teams. This guy got a second round tender. Yeah. So um, keep an eye on that Col- on this Col- Colts battles as, as training camp rolls on because there's going to be somebody else there that I think is worth getting, especially with Matt Ryan under center outside of just Allie Cox and, and Pittman. There's going to be another wide receiver there that's going to have some, some wide receiver three, four flex type upside. You might be able to get them double digit rounds. Circle Paris Campbell with your Osborne and uh No, you're exactly right. Yeah. If Campbell can stay healthy. Line. Like Campbell yeah. had just has to stay healthy. That's fine. He's healthy, I will play that game with round fifteen. He's right there right. with Osborne and Tolbert. Tolbert, there he is. Oh, yeah. And Tolbert, yep. I think, has the higher upside out of those three. But Yeah, I agree. Early yeah. on, especially. Osborne higher floor, probably. A toward high ceiling. Okay. You want to talk about Ramondre Stevenson again? Because this is actually where I had that note. <laughs> Maybe for those that decided to listen to the second hour of the show instead of the first one. <laughs> no. Okay. okay, great. Kenyon Drake expected to maintain a significant role in the Raiders' backfield. I wonder the significant role is. Uh, did, did he better, play today? Better than Zamir White? You know, don't talk crap about Zamir White. Come on. Zamir All White right. played in the Hall of Fame game. I mean, Zamir White, like, 11 carries in the Hall of Fame game compared to Drake getting five and Jacobs getting five. Uh, it's just saying Zamir White, firmly RB3. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> For now. If you're, if you're leading the Hall of Fame game in, in carries, that's not a good sign for you. You're probably not starting. <laughs> that means you're probably a rookie firmly in that third spot. And I still don't really care about the third street running back in Las Vegas. Sorry, Ryan. Oh, I wouldn't care who it was. It was either him or Jacobs or White or or Drake. It don't matter. Just all right. Please, someone start. 
It'll be Jacobs. I think I think for oh, yeah. all the everything that's been made out of the Raiders' backfield, it's going to be exactly the same as it was last year with Jacobs throwing and Drake mixing in. And we're always going about why Jacobs isn't getting more uses in the passing game. <laughs> it's like, come. Watch him get like used this year. He's an RB1. Rinse and repeat. Who? Ooh, Jacobs? That'd be great. Yeah. I traded for Jacobs in a lot of places because he's very cheap. <laughs> Um, the Athletics' Michael Sean Duger reports that Geno Smith ran with the first-team offense, but Drew Locke is not sitting back, just taking it. <laughs> Pete Carroll has said something is going to happen. He's not oh, sitting boy. back, Chick's taking it. Drew Locke has firmly asserted himself and not just taking it. Pete He's right Car- into the conversation. Pete Carroll with the ultimate coach speaker. Something's going to happen, and we'll see what. <laughs> of course. God, Huge vote of confidence. The most I don't give a fuck a quarterback a competition, I think, almost ever. Yep. For me. Yeah. Uh, don't. All right. Last one. ESPN's Mike Triplett reports that Slant Boy looked fluid and had no noticeable braces or wrapping around the left ankle at training camp. Round four, I think. It's where he's going. Yeah. Five. 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 Round four, 506, wide receiver 21. If there, there is. That'll come up. That'll very much come up. Oh, yeah. Name Cache alone and finally healthy and happy. Thomas is about to be a value for a lot of people that took him earlier on, I think. I think well, he's going to step right back into that role. Here's the thing about the Saints, too, that's a little weird. They're going to have a wide receiver core of Thomas, Alave, and Landry. An actual wide receiver that's, core. That's, that's actually, actually a good drawn. It's a very good receiving core, actually. Mm-hmm. You guys are. I'm about to get bought back into New Orleans. God damn it! I'm about Winston. to be right back on this Jameis Winston hype train. Uh, oh yeah, woo woo! But I never should have left. We're gonna be eating some W's. <laughs> ah, ah. <laughs> All right. Just realized I was doing half the podcast like a Ron Rivera press conference. <laughs> because I got my notes on the left monitor instead of the center one. All right, uh, that's all we got for today. Thank you guys for tuning in. I am your host at Beerfield Hop, as always, joined by at 3BFF at Ryan Miner underscore FFB. We said we we're going to do quarterback rankings. It's a two-hour show. We're not going to do that. We'll talk ranking strategy when we have more time. That was not this week. Um, yep. Beerfield. Next week. Huh? Next time? Maybe next week? I'm Ron Burgundy. I'm there we go. Jeez, oh, peace. I was waiting for it. I'm like, come on. Oh, I just saw that the the building QB rankings <laughs> in the note. Next time, build rankings. <laughs>